From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. and welcome into Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by uscfootball.com. I'm Jack Smith here with uh, Ryan Abraham and RJ Abadia. We're going to be talking the Stanford game, the uh, 101st game between the Stanford Cardinal and the USC Trojans. Going to talk a little bit of David Shaw, some Tanner McKee, and give some final predictions for the game. But Ryan, RJ, pleasure to be joined with you guys on this Thursday night. We've got Thursday night football on up there. USC Stanford this weekend should be a good one. Yeah, Jack, thanks for hosting again. Uh, I'm back. You guys you guys took over the Sunday night duties with Shotgun and Chris. we got a whole new lineup now. Like, you know, Jack's still here. But then we got RJ Abadia who knows Stanford better than anybody. We want to welcome him in. He's doing a great job on the site. RJ, what's going on, man? I mean, this is an organizational depth flex for us here on the Tunnel Vision, <laughs> I feel like. This is like, you know, this is a deep, deep squad. We have, we have a here. pretty deep roster. This yeah. is not like USC's offensive line. We're pretty no. deep here. Yeah. Absolutely. Right now, uh, or the Stanford front seven or anything. We were pretty deep. So uh, it's good. Yeah, we can roll large. And, you know, it's great to get RJ in. He's good. So Shaka will be in town sometimes uh, for these games. He will be up in the Bay Area uh, for this one. But he's not. He's flying directly uh, to San Francisco. So uh, RJ and, and Shaka will probably split off our Thursday preview shows. Then we'll kind of see what happens on the Sunday shows, kind of play that around. But Jack should be here unless he's got some student duties or whatever but uh, we appreciate you doing everyone's praising you jack we don't usually get interns come in and we had a lot of praise for you so that's very you know that's very we're very happy with the work you've been doing so thanks for doing all that yeah of course i think my the favorite thing i saw early on was everyone was like wait he's not he's not a girl i feel like i'm the first guy to ever hold down this role and i you know i'm glad that sc fans are, are happy to have me but i think it i'm just a, an exciting show that we've got planned today won't be able to be here on sunday because i'm not flying in till till after the after you guys record but i'm really excited to talk usc and stanford and we got no one better than than rj he knows more about the cardinal than pretty much any of us here yeah so that's good and uh, i'm very excited for the show so what we'll do is preview uh what's going on not really that many news and notes from around practice this week because uh you know we kind of the injury things got shut down a little bit but we'll kind of share any sort of insights what's going on with the program and what we think going into the game against stanford um rj will be there i'll be there um, Shotgun, Chris Trevino. So we'll have a whole crew up there on the farm uh, to cover this one. We want to preview that. We're going to take comments in uh, YouTube and Facebook. Those should be up. So if you have any comments in either of those, uh, Jack will be monitor monitoring that and put those up on the screen, answer some questions at the end for sure. Uh, also, if you're watching live and you want to call in, you can do do that by going 5124-TUNNEL is the number um yeah so live calls we'll take some live calls and you know probably a little bit later on in the show but rj so here's the thing with you know you know stanford well i famously said stanford's gonna be butt last year <laughs> they beat usc they beat oregon and everyone's like you're an idiot they're not they're pretty good and i'm like <laughs> i stuck with like a bitch in their butt 
they end up losing like the last seven games or whatever and go three and nine. No changes to the coaching staff from David Shaw. He's just going to stick with his guns. He did change some philosophy stuff. Yeah. Right? So they're they're trying to simplify things. Same coaches. We're just going to, oh, we're going to change our defensive front. We're going to yeah. change how we do things. So, you know, I guess you could say there's changes. And, you know, but there's there's guys coming back for, that are healthy, which helps. You bring in a safety from, from Oklahoma, I think is going to be, a, you know, the only transfer portal uh, guy. So I'm sort of buying in that Stanford's not going to be as bad as I thought they were going to be. Um, tell me about what you think about the Stanford team compared to kind of last year. I think that's about as far out on the limb of optimism that you can go at this point <laughs> until we see, I mean, look, it, it's, I think it's just kind of a lesser extreme version of USC. I think Stanford's best side of the ball is offense. Okay. I think everyone kind of agrees there's good potential there. I don't know that it's USC level potential with what they've got and what they can do. Um, and then the huge question is defense, which I think you would also say pretty much the exact same thing about USC. About I, just USC think, yeah. I just think the extremes are not the same. I think there are more, as of now, there are more questions about the Stanford defense than the USC defense. Although I don't know if Saturday is going to manifest any real reckonings or conclusions. You know, people always... For however many years it's been, I think six, seven, eight, nine years that this has become this week two game yeah. for Stanford and USC, it's always been mentally kind of this litmus test, I think, on both ends where it's like, okay, okay. we're getting a pretty decent team early in the year. This should kind of tell us something. It doesn't always work out that it's way. As we learned nothing. last year, yeah, sometimes it tells us nothing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it seems like a lot of times it tells us nothing. I mean, if you remember last year, it got Clay Helton fired. So they were like, yeah, they're on this trajectory that they we're told on Clay right Helton now. something. Yeah, and we thought, oh, wow, Stanford's pretty good. And the thing, too, like we thought, hey, Oregon State came into the Coliseum and put up a bunch of points. We thought they're going to be pretty good. Well, it turned out USC was just – USC was butt. Like they were terrible. Yeah. Oregon State was pretty much terrible on the road except in the Coliseum, you know. Um, Stanford, same thing. But in the Coliseum, they were great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. I mean I think that's the thing is we build up a lot of it because this is this is a game that I think both fan bases circle – and it is early in the year, and I think a lot of people would prefer that it wasn't. But that aside, I think when you're talking about – Don't have about, to worry about that anymore. Yeah, no. <laughs> will not be it will not be a problem. Although I will say – Actually, it could because for – the, for, the, for the second time that I've heard him do it, going back to Pac-12 Media Day, David Shaw very explicitly said that he very much hopes to remain on USC's schedule beyond what's going to happen in two years. Now, yeah. who knows – and if that's the case, it could be a week two game again. It, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It could, <laughs> could be out of conference two, game unless two. Stanford joins or whatever. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But <laughs> anyway, the point is, you know, I think both of these teams are looking at this game as one in which they have a real chance to kind of prove things and to remove some of the question marks that there are after one week. And so I think that's kind of the the big appeal of it, you know, objectively speaking. Yeah. Um, we can start probably on the offensive side of the ball for Stanford. And Jack, if you want to jump in for anything or questions, but uh, you know, you could saw guys like John Humphreys last year, obviously Tanner McKee, a lot of people, their NFL scouts are drooling over the guy. You know, you remember like when Justin Herbert was at, at Oregon before he like did much, you're like, that guy's going to be amazing. Like you were kind of getting this, it's year three for Tanner McKee. He's older because he did a two year, uh, mission, uh, but, you know, getting some guys healthy. Uh, the tight end was, you know, was really good. He's the only, the only offensive player. For Stanford, that's on the preseason All Pac-12 team is the tight end. What's it? I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Urosic. Urosic. Ben, ben Urosic. Yeah, um, but you feel like this is going to be a good wide receiver group. Uh, Emmett, R.J. Smith, Emmett Smith's son. Uh, 
broke off an 87-yard run, but didn't really do much the rest of the game against Colgate. So like he had 110 yards, but like 87 was on that first run. Uh, but you feel like that you know that he can be pretty good. This is not your your dad's Stanford team, right? They're not going to be this yeah. pounded up the up the middle kind of thing. Um, but the thing I'm curious about, RJ, I want to get your assessment of the offense. To be USC, like it's a really, I mean, you look at the offense, you're like, wow, like they're not going to punt a lot. Um, we got to keep them off the field. Is David Shaw in his mind going to be like, we have to keep them off the field? I know we got these great receivers, but let's run the ball and, and see what we can do to limit possessions and stuff. Well, I think that's what he hopes he can pivot to. Yeah. I think the bottom line is they got to get points early to keep it a competitive right. game. You, you can't, you know, if you, if you stumble on the first two, possessions if you're Stanford, right? And suddenly you're down 17 or 21 to nothing. Your your model that you just said, the blueprint is kind of gone up in smoke, right? right? Yeah. But if they get to a place, because what, what it does, it's the possession count, right? Like a fast tempo team like USC is going to play 13 to 14 offensive possessions. That's kind of what they're banking on, right? When Stanford's able to run and limit and do that, it, yeah, becomes, like eight or nine, right? it becomes an eight or nine <laughs> possession game. And you can see, I mean, the last time Stanford was really good enough to kind of do this to a couple teams was in the 2020 season. Yeah. But you can see it. And what happens is you see these up-tempo teams get to the fourth quarter and they're like, wait a minute, it's the fourth quarter? Yeah. Like, this is the last time we're going to touch the ball. We kind of have to score right now. I don't know if it's going to get all the way down the line to that situation, but that's the effect. That's what you're kind of trying to do right. when, you, when I, you talk about reducing the possession count. And I would love to look at back at the games because there's just teams like that. They kind of be, they're like the boa constrictor. They just kind of like wrap you up. But if you score or if you sprint out ahead, like it's really hard to kind of execute that. But if USC like muffs the opening kickoff and Stanford punches it in from the five, you're like, okay, this is now like with a lead, I feel like it's a whole different game, you know? And sure. if Stanford gets ahead, you can do those kind of things. But the, I mean, is this going to be a more explosive offense? I mean, uh, if you look at the numbers last year, it was, it was not obviously not good. Tanner no. McKee took care of the ball pretty well. He threw picks and kind of bunches at certain games. Um, but, Big wide receivers going to be a tough matchup for like the USC secondary. You know, good tight end if you got you know if, if Smith is going to be a good running back. The offensive line is kind of it's all back right, but it's so, sort of like wasn't very good last year. Um, gave up some sacks, things like that. But the offensive numbers weren't good. They were they were really bad. They're like in the hundreds for a lot of those categories. But do you feel like yeah. major steps, you know, strides can be taken? Uh, with the offense this year. Well, it's interesting because if you look at what happened to Stanford last year. Um, Bryson Tremaine, who kind of had his coming out party in that game against USC. Yeah. He's actually a big receiver, went to, I think, both Venice and the Brentwood School, so kind of a local product. Okay. He was a walk-on, built himself up to a scholarship guy, and had a really great game against USC last year in the Coliseum and kind of had that upward trajectory. He got hurt and was lost for the year, yeah. and Tanner McKee's numbers pretty conspicuously dropped. Okay. Significantly. There's like a correlation between Yeah, I him. think there may or may not have been. So, you know, when you look at him back, when you look at Michael Wilson back, now fully healthy, choosing to come back as a as a senior um, player, that res that wide receiving core is good. I mean, I tweeted it out. They're they're good and they're big. And they're big. They're a yeah. problem. I mean, 6'5", 6'4", 6'3", and then three 6'2 guys. Right? Ones, yeah. And USC has, 
I think one six two guy in the entire secondary two deep. Yeah, and that's the, that's as tall as it gets. You know, so the the pieces are there. I think when you look at Stanford. And we can get over to some USC talk at some point, given the helmet and everything that's oh, going yeah, on we're, here. But we're previewing but Stanford you, game. Yeah, man. yeah. But when when you look at Stanford last year, um, I think the the landmine that they stepped on, or kind of the thing that happened that was unexpected, was the offensive line was just not good. Yeah. And it was a group of players who were pretty highly recruited, decent recruits, decent talent. Um, it was the first year under the new offensive line coach, and. It just didn't work. I mean, it, they they couldn't do the things that we've been talking about and kind of fans, if you look at the message boards about like that reputation that they had, you know, maybe five, six, seven years ago, you know, they just couldn't do those kinds of things. Yeah. And they've pivoted to to a, to Tanner McKee and the wide receivers because that's where your talent is. Now, if that line steps up and plays to its recruiting pedigree, to its talent, they should score points. They yeah. should be a good team. They should be a watchable team every week. And then it just comes down to what do they have, if anything, defensively? Yeah, defensively, it's a good pivot. Uh, Kai Blue Kelly, uh, one of the best corners, not only in the conference, but in the country. Uh, they get the other cornerback who was injured all last year, right? And then the, the safety transfer who's going to come in and play nickel, I believe, yep. uh, from Oklahoma. With Alex Grinch, what's his name? I'm blanking on uh, Alex Grinch was asked about Patrick him. Fields. Oh, Patrick Fields. Patrick Fields, yeah. And like, just it was like almost like he was going to cry. He was just like he so. said he was almost going to cry. And I mean that's <laughs> I, that's the most emo. I've ne we've not seen Alex Grinch like no. that since he's been here. Anyway, I mean it, you love to see that where that was his guy, right? That was one of his guys, and he's you know playing. You know you you get to bring someone with you that go other places. He, it sounded like he really hoped he was going to come to USC, but you know he's going to be the starting nickel for. Uh, and obviously, USC's wide receivers run deep, so you're going to need Kelly, you're going to need Fields, you're going to, you know, guys making plays because it's going to be tough to stop all the receivers. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, we'll have a little piece about this coming out maybe tomorrow, but there's been a lot kind of interesting things said this week about Patrick Fields. And look, if you're a Stanford defense that is trying to get back to respectability and you have as many question marks as you have, you're taking any advantage, any help you can get, right? I don't, yeah. I don't think Patrick Fields is enough to, uh, you know, I don't think he's the Lincoln Riley offense Da Vinci Code, and he's suddenly gonna, <laughs> you know, I don't think it's gonna, it's gonna spiral that way. But certainly, anything that helps helps, right? That's that's what you're trying to do, and so um, we'll see. It should be interesting. I mean, Caillou Blue Kelly is a guy worth talking about. I feel like if you look at Drake London's game log from last year. That's kind of all the evidence you need to see the kind of player that Caillou Blue Kelly yeah. was um, and is. And I think very, not very surprising, but plausibly could have gone on to the NFL, gone into the NFL yeah, draft for sure. this year. He could have, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair to say. So you've got some pieces out there. You've got some veteran experience out there. Um, and we're just going to have to see. I mean, I, I just think that you look at Stanford – in the middle between the tackles, which again, traditionally you're saying to yourself, oh, well, that's where Stanford makes its reputation. But, you know, they don't have a guy at 300 pounds on the interior. Yeah. They have Dave Tobin Phillips, who's a junior at 295. The guy below him, actually, Zach Bucky, brother of USC commit Grant Bucky. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's only at 265. Um, and so it's weird because I kind of had this, this thought today we're talking all about Lincoln Riley and what he does and how Stanford going to stop those receivers. But part of me is a little suspicious or a little curious to see if Lincoln Riley doesn't see if they just can't run the ball. Yeah. And if they can, you know, 
Caleb Williams might not throw the ball 30 times. Yeah. You know, because I think with no matter what football coach at any level ever, one thing that I feel is certain, if they know that you can't stop the run, then that's the only thing you're going to see. Right. right. And I think USC's offensive line played really well last week. And that was against Rice. But we told you guys, like, look, that the interior of that line, they got like 8,000 starts between them or something, you know, or minutes played. I mean, there's a lot of. Uh, you know, minutes and then they're rotating, you know, they're not very deep, but if you have all six guys and Lincoln Riley talked about this week that, you know, they're going to keep this going. And if one guy separates, they'll play him, but you need more than, than five guys. You're going to play yeah. more. So I think the offensive line, they can lean on that and to have like four touchdowns scored by the running backs last week, you know, Rice does give you sort of a Stanford look, I guess, cause uh, you know, Mike Bluegren or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I think you might be right. Like this might be a situation where, you know, Blue Kelly might, you know, be able to lock down Jordan Addison and they're, you know, they're uh, the pass rusher from modern day, the freshman that was the first David freshman Bailey. to start, Dave Bailey, like he's someone that USC recruited highly. So there's, there's definitely some pieces, but like the overall depth overall, I mean, it's, you know, I don't know, we're going to see, but this might be something where USC just sort of leans on the offensive line, pound a little Travis Dye, a little Austin, Austin Jones, of got course. a couple touchdowns uh, last week. Uh, he would love to score against his former team. I don't think yeah. there's like... I don't think there was animosity or anything like that, but uh, it's just one of those things where, like, yeah, you want to, you know, he's getting, he said he was getting a lot of texts from teammates and stuff this oh, yeah. week, and he's, yeah, he seems like a great kid, uh, just for just talking to him. He's, he's yeah. been fun to talk to, so uh, I talked to him last week, and I was asking, like, did the defensive coaches, like, pick your brain at all? He said no. Then he was talking about it again this week. It seemed like maybe a little bit yeah. more this week. They yeah. did. Yeah. Let's, I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, look, and again, I think Lincoln Riley said it right. Like, ultimately... This is going to get settled on Saturday. This yeah. is going to get settled with USC's players and Stanford's players. But you're insane if you don't corner Austin Jones and ask him questions about right. Stanford's offense. And if you're Stanford, of course they're asking Patrick Fields everything he knows from spending, what, four seasons going up against Lincoln Riley's the offense in practice. Exactly. Of course you're going to ask those kind of questions. So it's it's a fun intrigue kind but of thing. But both sides know that too. You're like, well, well Patrick yeah, Fields absolutely. knows we do this. We're going to do that. Or Austin Jones, when we were doing this with him, we're not going to do that. You know, I don't know. Yeah, well, that's why, you know, that's why Lincoln Riley said what he said because, you know, he also said at a certain point, you do what you do. Yes. You can't, you know, you're not going to reinvent yourself just because Patrick Fields is out there running around somewhere at some position or because Austin Jones is in the backfield, you know. There was a funny Simpsons episode way, way back. Uh, this is like in the 90s. And uh, Mr. Burns is managing like the uh, – Springfield Isotope softball team and they yeah. brought in all the ringers and they had like Wade Boggs and yeah. Daryl Strawberry and all this stuff. And like Homer was playing and Homer was like Homer Simpson was getting all these home runs and stuff, but once they brought in the ringers, he's like Daryl Strawberry was taking his position, so he couldn't play anymore. And like at the end of the game, Burns like switches him out. It's like, well, it's a righty versus lefty matchup and and Daryl Strawberry's like, I got like five home runs today. <laughs> so sometimes you can outthink yourself. Like, you know, we're yeah. not gonna throw to Jordan Addison because well, you know, no, just, uh, yeah. you should throw to Jordan Addison. That's <laughs> what, you what you have him here for. Do what you do. Yeah, yeah. do what you do. And and maybe we'll just give Jack, a pause to Google all those references that you made because for this was sure he was for born. sure he wasn't alive when any of that happened. So he had he has virtually no shot to to catch that. But we'll we'll try to do some 
We'll try to reference something on this side of the millennium. <laughs> Jack, any, for... any thoughts on Stanford or questions you want to talk about? Or, or The or Simpsons. Anything? Or The Simpsons, yeah. So I know nothing about The Simpsons, but I think <laughs> oh, one interesting thing to this tragic. game is everyone's coming in and realizing like Lincoln Riley has to game plan completely from scratch against all these Pac-12 teams, but also David Shaw has never played against Lincoln Riley as a member of the USC Trojans either. So it's like both teams, it's pretty much a wash in game planning. You can't go off really anything that was used in the past, and that might even give USC a little bit of an advantage because they've got more of a you know a layover staff from people that have seen Stanford before. But, I mean, Lincoln was saying that his bed is in his office. It seems like they have to pretty much game plan from scratch. And David Shaw, I think, mentioned he has to do the same thing, that USC's tape from last season doesn't matter as much to them. they got to go and watch tape from Oklahoma. So I just thought that was maybe an interesting wrinkle that we could get into. Yeah, the, it's funny. Someone on the P, on the Peristyle, if you're not a member, go to the Peristyle. Go to uscfootball.com. You can sign up for a buck. Just do it. you got to do it. If you didn't take advantage of our sale last week, you can still get a buck sign up for a dollar for a month so just go check it out and get get on the peristyle it's crazy busy all kinds of usc fans talking all kinds of usc football but one of the threads they were talking about that was like sort of like david shaw going like yeah they got a lot better from last year like yeah we can't really look at the tape from last year because it's complete because they sucked and now they're good like basically that's what he was yeah, saying i think that's <laughs> and i think that's an accurate statement i think to a certain extent right i mean they weren't a good team last year and you know, just to quickly go back just to that Patrick Fields thing really quickly because, yeah, yeah. you know, everyone cares about the results. We get it. Everyone wants to see USC winning Pac-12 championships, winning national championships. They love hearing all the paces that Lincoln Riley's putting them through. He's keeping them in the building, you know, all day and all night. They're looking at film. They're doing this. They're doing that. And, and everything just feels more professionally run and everything just feels like it's building towards that upper echelon. But I have to say, like – the sincerity that I I think I detected from Alex Grinch and Lincoln Riley today talking about Patrick Fields, talking about a former player, kind of suggests that there is maybe a substantive connection going on within this program. And look, you have to you have to perform if you want to play. Yeah. It, that's not going to drop and that's not going to change. But I did think it was worth noting because we've heard so much about chemistry and we've heard all the right things from the players in terms of how much the coaches have tried to reach out to them, how much they've tried to connect and encourage and build and kind of nurture in a certain way. So, you know, I, I did think it was worth noting the way those guys talked about a former player that, you know, yes, this is a bottom line business, but I also think that they're making room for those connections that you kind of appreciate. Yeah. He's a grad transfer, right? Is he? Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, kudos to, I mean, holy cow, like to gra you go from Oklahoma to Stanford as a grad transfer, like Stanford loses like their own seniors because they can't get into grad school and they're Correct. Stanford players. Like, so well, to come in, that's pretty impressive. He's <laughs> David Shaw's dream recruit because David Shaw literally did nothing to get him. <laughs> literally nothing. He just like, he, I'm smart no, enough to go there. <laughs> he took care of it himself. He took it upon himself to get admitted to the program just as a guy, as an applicant. And only after being admitted did he essentially knock on the football <laughs> office's door and say, hey, I'm a grad student, but by the way, I was Oklahoma starting safety. <laughs> Do you think there's like a place That's for insane. me? And it's like, yeah, we probably, you know, we're, as you saw, you're butt recognized butt, I guess. But like, you know, it's, they're like, yeah, I think probably there is a place for you. We could, at, we could. At, yeah, I think we could squeeze you in under the, the 85 count. So, um He's an interesting guy. It'll be interesting to see what he does out there on the field. But from the USC lens, yeah, I, I do. I did take note of just kind of the way Grinch and, and Riley 
talked about him. Yeah. And I think that when we did talk a lot about the chemistry aspect of it and, you know, what you could see in the spring game, you know, that we thought felt like the, the chemistry was good going into the spring game. Then they added a whole bunch of new players. So, like, even if the chemistry was good then, it might have been you added Jordan Addison. You added, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's, it, um, what's it called? Eric, uh, the, Eric Gentry. Gentry. I'm like, yep. um, I'm blanking on names there. Uh, you, you added, like, these pieces that are guys that are going to start and you already like kind of built this chemistry in the spring, and now you're gonna like upset it again in the summer. But you know what we heard sounded like guys were getting along, and Cable Williams like I felt like I've been throwing a Jordan Addison for more than a year, not a couple months. And then you see it on the field, and the guys getting along and cheering for, you know, there was I was I watched like the 60 minute replay, and they were showing Caleb Williams in the fourth quarter chatting on the sideline with like two walk on dudes. Like there was just it just seemed like this is a a cohesive unit and it didn't have to be the way the team was assembled. And I think what you're talking about too, with, with fields, it's sort of like, you know, that's if there's players, coaches, and there's coaches that sort of are like, Oh, I'm in my office. You can't really talk to me, but yeah. we want to get everyone along. It seems like, you know, at least Riley and his staff, there's someone that they do embrace like the players and there's a genuine care factor for them. And I think it's kind of necessary when you talk about taking over the roster that they took over. You know, it's not about it's not about saying any more bad things about Clay Helton or anything, but this is a group of kids who were highly recruited, were told how good they were, were told they were gonna be good, and then weren't good. Yeah. <laughs> and were left to just kind of reconcile that for themselves. You know what I mean? That's so you you just I think they took the right approach, you know, we'll, and, and the Patrick Fields thing is kind of the maybe the lesson is that's their long-term approach as well is that they want to have these kind of meaningful connections because, you know, talent is the one thing, but I think what a lot of USC has been missing are these intangible things yeah. over the years, you know? And I think all the evidence we have so far is that it's going in the right direction. I think we haven't seen them lose a game and respond to a loss. We haven't yet seen them get punched in the face in the middle of a game and deal with it, but that's right. not their fault. They've only played a game. Like, yeah, those are the next tests, but every other test short of that, I think being around this team, I think we feel like that piece is being cemented. Yeah, and if you like for this one, like you talk about testing the game, like USC only faced seven third downs against Rice, like that's crazy. <laughs> I think I was listening to like uh, the Ray Troy guys, and I think Michael was saying like that's the lowest in the FCS or whatever, like no one or FBS, like no one faced, you know, no one only had that. Um, and they cover, I forget, they cover like six of seven or something. It was something really high. Uh, only one punt in the game. And that was when the backups came in in the fourth quarter. But the, you know, those are tests, right? And they had some third and longs. They had some plays that, uh, that Caleb Williams had to go and, and, and make plays. And if, if Stanford's going to win, it's going to be like, they forced a lot more third downs. And for some reason, like they don't, they don't convert on a third and eight or a third and nine or whatever. Caleb Williams takes off and run, but you know the Stanford's able to stop him at six yards, and they don't get the first down. Like those things, the kind of things are happening. We just really haven't seen them face. We've seen them face some adversarial downs in the the Rice game, but they only had Caleb Williams was in for forty four plays. You know, yeah, uh, there just wasn't that much to kind of test you. I mean, they scored touchdowns on their first four possessions. Is that right? Yeah, I'm the, pretty sure. Well, three and then uh, pick six and then uh, a field goal at the end of the half. So okay, yeah. so you know. It was as downhill. They would have scored if it wasn't like the end of the half. They probably would have scored yeah. another touchdown. Yeah. There was, it was as downhill as downhill gets. Yeah. Right. And the question is, um, I remember you remember those great the Chip Kelly Oregon teams, and in 2012, 
Stanford went up there and pulled off a monstrous upset yeah. in Eugene. And one of the things that the Derek Mason, the defensive coordinator, talked about was getting Oregon into deep water, right? Getting them into a place late in the game where they weren't up by four touchdowns. Right. And then what are you going to do? They done That'll that be the next game. litmus test for USC. I mean, someone's going to get them right. in there. I don't know. The thing about this game is if it was a one, a two, or a three-quarter game, you'd have a lot more success talking me into a Stanford upset or it's going to be close all the way through. But four quarters, is it's tough to hold up yeah. four quarters against what USC is going to be bringing offensively. And I think that's kind of the difference for me because I, I find it plausible that Stanford will score. I find it plausible. Maybe they'll make some plays. Maybe they'll get a stop on Caleb Williams, right? Or maybe they'll you know force a couple punts or whatever, get a turnover. But over four quarters – it's really tough to see them holding up. And if they do, credit to them. But I think that to me, that to me is why I think USC is the lean in this game. Yeah, you got to be, you know, you're Stanford, you're trying to get USC to have like two possessions a quarter and don't score on one of them, you know, and then you have a really good chance. But if the problem is if they're going to get three or four possessions and score on three, you two know, or that, three. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like I mean, that's, that's going to be a, a little bit of a problem. Um, Jack, do you have anything else, or do we, we can jump into questions right away? I don't know. We, I'm I'm open, man. We're just having. Have some you fun. learned anything about the Simpsons yet? No. I love I love that you could recite the entire roster from that Simpsons thing. It would be hard to do. Okay, but Eric Gentry, you were just like, like what? Who's this guy? Thing. What? Why do I need to know that guy? Like, what's? And he's someone we should talk about. I think at some point, I uh, think he's very worth talking about. They they kind of I, I talked about him on the on the Sirius XM radio hit. That nope. I did on the way in. Nice. Archer's like, um, just media mogul today. Yeah, all over the place. Dozens. I mean, the six dozens foot six, of people know what my voice sounds like. Now. And it's funny because, like, he's six foot six. If you look at him, you're like, yeah, it's probably going to take him a year to fill out. And that's why I first, when I first saw him, I'm like, yeah. And then you start hearing he's getting first team reps. Um, you start talking to players about him, like, oh yeah, he had an interception in the you know the scrimmage we had. You see him in the game. He didn't get credited with a, a pass deflection, but he got some hurries. He did, you know, yeah. tackle for loss, I believe. Um, he's a stud. You know, he was a freshman All-American at, at Arizona State for a reason. And, you know, when you're Stanford and you add one, you know, transfer in and you know he's a stud, it's like, it's okay. Like, USC added 20. Like, you're hoping you have a decent hit rate just like a recruiting class. Absolutely. But a lot of them you want it right now. And I don't think he was someone you were counting on as an immediate impact guy. And it's a position of need. Like, they haven't had a lot of production at the linebacker spot. Um, you know, you love Shane Lee, what he was able to do, led the team in tackles, pick six, all that. Raylan Goforth coming back. He's there seemed to be doing a good job there. But I did not pencil Eric Gentry into being the starting middle linebacker. And the results, I think, have been good so far. You know, if you go back and read Gerard's Future Impact – where he talked to Chris Cartman, our, our Arizona State 247 guy. Yeah. Um, there was a lot in there to like. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's all going to show up on day one. But I think I kind of had this, I think we all kind of had the same visceral reaction is that even in pads, he looks like a basketball player. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just hard to reconcile what we're hearing about him with looking at him. But I think the reality is, I think he's got good football instinct. Like yeah. that kind of stuff that you can't teach. I think one of the more intriguing things in Gerard's article that Chris Cartman touched on is the potential for him to be effective at multiple spots, which I think is a big deal for USC right now yeah. because I don't think they know 
where the spots are that they're going to get solid production all the time, and it might be a situation where they move him around to where they need Especially to. Especially if they're not getting a lot of pass rush and he can come off the edge or something. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. And 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 again, what have we been hearing about him? Oh, he, he looks he's six six, but he sticks his nose in there. He's got no problems playing in the tackles. He's he's violent. He's angry. He's you know he's doing the things it's you want to see. Super athletic. Like, yeah. Really athletic. Well, and I think in the Pac twelve. A guy who can reduce passing windows or compromise passing windows up the field. I mean, Caleb Williams, that was one of the, I think, one of the more interesting anecdotes we got in training camp. Caleb Williams kind of admitted, like, I didn't notice that he subbed in. I was looking down the field. I thought I had something. And the next thing you know, these giant arms are taking the ball away. Like, you know, I mean, and I, I think that matters in a league that spreads it out and passes as yeah. much. So, you know. The thing, you know, with Caleb Williams and Eric Gentry that I think it's important to note, these are young dudes. Mm. You know, a lot of people are putting these huge, like, Heisman and this and expectations. But no matter what you see from USC in the first half of the season, health set aside, this is unquestionably going to be a better team in the back half yeah, than it is in the front half. I think, you know, I, I think there are... I think there are some legit danger games for USC starting this Saturday, but I also think, you know, I think Josh Henson said it, you know, we don't want guys who start week one and four weeks later, they're the same guy. Yeah. And four weeks later, they're the same guy. You know, there is an expectation that you improve, but I also think looking at this team, you know, Caleb Williams doesn't even have 10 career starts in college. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this was start eight. It's this eight or one. nine. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you have to factor that in, but Eric Gentry is another player. I mean, they're going to look a lot different in November. Yeah. You know, again, knock on wood that they're getting to play all these games and blah, blah, blah. But I think that's another thing to consider when, when you look at this USC team and you're like, well, game by game, they should beat all these teams. Well, maybe, but they're more vulnerable now than I think they're going to be for eight weeks. From they're now. like a long, young Luke Skywalker. Like the potential is there. <laughs> Exactly. Another reference that Jack's not going to get, but yeah, he's, he, they haven't learned the power of the force yet. I, I got that one. Okay, not, good. I didn't grow up under a rock. This is <laughs> a little different than Star Wars. Um, but yeah, I mean, about Gentry, I think we all knew that when he came in, he was going to be good in, in pass defense. Obviously, 6'6", six, six has that length. He was going to be in the passing lanes. I was really impressed with his ability to fit the run early. Like Him and Shane Lee were swarming around all the outside runs. Again, he needs to put on a little bit of weight, runs up the middle. He can't block it quite as well as someone who might be a little bit bigger but i was I, I think that was a very good game one to build off of for the future and i mean he said it in when we were interviewing him after practice yesterday night saying like you i didn't come here to beat rice i didn't come here to beat stanford like i came here to win a national championship again i'm not going to say that's going to happen but like that's they're saying that this is just a building block and they've got way higher aspirations i think for gentry himself like there's an ability for him to grow into a much better player. And I was thinking about this earlier this morning. SC has four players now that you could have considered freshman All-Americans last year based on where you looked or just guys that were maybe the best at their position among freshmen and Caleb Williams, Mario Williams, and then Gentry and Kalen Bullock. So I think there's a bright future for Gentry throughout this year. But then also, I mean, SC's got a lot of guys to build into next year as well. I know this is a Stanford preview show, but I think the future is definitely bright. And the fact that Gentry, I mean, that was a great quote from him. Uh, and he doesn't, it's one of those things like he doesn't necessarily look the part. Like if you go down to your YMCA and there's this like short little chubby guy and you're like, oh, he's going to be down low, rebounded. And he's like jacking up threes and stroking them. You're like, right. oh, I didn't really expect that dude to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you look at Gentry, he's like, 
he's fitting the run pretty well. Like he looks pretty comfortable near the line of scrimmage with these big bodies that are you know, like he's as thick as their leg, and uh, you know seem to do it. So yeah, so one of those things. There's potential for him to put on weight, and then he's like. 225 or 230 and it's like he's 6'6 and like holy cow like there's you know there's there's a lot of potential the fact that he's this good now there's i think there's just a lot of potential there. i'm looking at the depth chart right now and he's listed and you always have to take it with a grain of salt but sure. they're going to give you every on here you're going to get every pound that you could yeah. possibly get he's listed at 200 that's 15 pounds lighter than caleb williams yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's playing middle linebacker, and he's six yeah. six. He's five. He's five inches taller than Caleb Williams. Right. So yeah, I think there's a lot of really intriguing stuff with him. And again, I think one of the one of the themes for this team is they're going to be a much different version four weeks, eight weeks from yeah. now. I think I unquestionably. Which on the backside, that's awesome. On the front side. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These are not games to sleep on. The Stanford game, I think that Fresno State game, yeah. depending on how the Stanford game goes, you know, if USC, if USC puts up a 42 nothing win on Saturday and the next game is 7:30 p.m. Fresno State, I don't care how good this staff is, like it's going to be tough to convince those dudes that there's some stuff that they need to work on, right, that they need yeah. to improve, right? Whereas if it's shaky this week at Stanford, it's kind of an attention getting thing. Okay, maybe they're sharper. Maybe they will take that game a little bit more seriously, but we'll see. And then again, Oregon State, I, I say it again and again and again. Like they are the team that a lot of people still think Stanford is, just in terms of how they win and why they win and the way they're coached and the kind of what they do and the challenges they present in between the tackles. That, that I will be stunned if that's not a really tough game yeah. as well, for all the reasons we just talked about. I want to get both of your thoughts on this. Uh, I'll do my own flex. I was on the Pac-12, you know, serious side, what serious radio earlier uh, with Evan Moore, who played uh, yes. for Stanford. And one of the questions he asked me was, "Would USC be ready to go in for? There can be a different kind of home field advantage for Stanford. You yeah. go into, you could go in there, and it's like not that big of a stadium. It's a really cool stadium, but the students aren't back until the end of the month. Yep." It can be pretty empty in there. And so how do you create your own juice? And some of it, uh, I forget what we were talking about, where you're like, it's sort of like the COVID year where they, they talked about that. You kind of have to create your own juice because you're in an empty stadium. And I, I didn't feel like, I felt like Lincoln Riley is a pretty good self-motivated. Like, I think this is a team that can, you know, exist on their own juice um, without having like a crowd being crazy. But I want to get both your thoughts on that. I, I didn't think that was going to be an issue, but, you know. Jump, jump in there, Jack. 
Are you are you asking like, do you think that Stanford will have enough juice or no, no, for like USC to go in and like, hey, you're already and like you're waiting for the crowd to be yelling at you and there's like nobody saying anything. There's some guy sipping It's a wine different and, test. Yeah, yeah there's guys like you know past the Chardonnay and like what you know with. Yeah. And you can hear them. Would you like a little brie? Dance? Like uh, this brie is bad. They're like, look, like, look, what? What are we talking about here? I, I think that there's two ways to look at it. Where you could say like, oh, it's so quiet in here. Like this isn't very hype. Or you could say like, you know, we just rolled into an opposing team stadium and they're not yelling at us. Like, like, how many people complain that or come in come out of SC for them not having fans at games sometimes last year when it was four and seven, four and six, like when that was the record, but. Like if you can roll in there and say like we're coming into a game where they don't even have their own fans showing up here and say that they you can really dictate that the way the game goes the way the stadium sounds too and hopefully SC fans are traveling well for the game so I think they'll do well enough to to create their own juice everything we've heard from this squad especially defensively from Alex Grinch who every single time he talks is is talking about energy and and strain and physical and mental strain like I, I think they're gonna do just fine creating their own hype. It's a different challenge. And it and it is one that has gotten teams. I know Washington has <laughs> they have a problem. A, a pretty good losing streak in Stanford <laughs> Stadium, and and the last game they played in there was exactly what you're describing. And you know they're used to seventy thousand at Husky Stadium going crazy. It is a different challenge. It is. <laughs> I, I you know I think for, it's you know I say it gritting through your teeth, of course, a little bit. And, you know it's not. That that nickname, the library, is is Stanford player generated, and I'm talking from like generations. It yeah. gets handed. I mean, the fact down. that Evan Moore brought it up to me. Like, yeah, no, 100. Yeah. And, and and so it's a different challenge. I think Jack's right because I think the bottom line is, okay, maybe this team is susceptible to complacency, but not just because they beat Rice. Yeah. I didn't get the sense from anyone on that team this week that like, well, we've solved every problem we've got. Not a coach, not a player. Like that would be crazy if it's like, well, we were so high off the rice game that we didn't want to get ready for our first Pac-12 road game. Right. That, that seems like a bit of a stretch. But I do think it is a different test and just another thing to kind of show us what's different with Lincoln Riley. Yeah. And, and there are a lot of transfers in, but there's still a good amount of, of players. There's a couple coaches lingering around that got – whooped by Stanford last year yes. and you have Austin Jones coming over from Stanford he said there's no animosity anything like that but like there's motivation to beat Stanford and to not just beat Stanford by a point or two but to to really beat up on him because that's what happened last year coaching change came right after the game so I think there's definitely going to be enough motivation for this this SC squad against the Colonel because of last year too yeah no I think that's a that's a very good statement there uh, why don't we jump into some you want to do some questions? Do we, if you, got, do we have any calls? In we've the got two live calls in the queue, so we can go We can go calls, and we've got a good let's, amount of questions to get to. So Yeah, okay. Let's do that. All right. We'll bring in the first live caller. Hi, you're on Tunnel Vision. Hi, hi Ryan. It's Megan, the Aussie who flew in from Australia three days before the Rice game last weekend. Hey, Megan. That was awesome. I hope you enjoyed your trip, and thanks for calling in to Tunnel Vision. I did till I got lost on the way home. But first things first, you talking Star Wars makes this Star Wars nerd lo loving Trojan fan very, very happy. Just wanted to say that. Um, I, I just wanted to say thank you to you, to Shoddy, to Chris, to everyone at the Coliseum. I was totally overwhelmed and probably looked so out of place. Um, 
as the tourist who flew in three days before and had no idea what I was doing or where I was going. Um, it was a 20-year dream that came true. I've been a fan since the Pete Carroll days. Um, love Lincoln Riley. Just a couple of quick questions for you. The blowout, that was the right game. Can we expect more of that from USC, given what we've had the past few years, dare I mention Clayton Elton's name? And secondly, Caleb Williams had what we call in Australia a blinder, meaning a brilliant game. What, two parts to the question, I guess. One, it, it, was that expected of him? And two, will it continue, if that makes sense? All right. Well, thanks, Megan. I appreciate that. And I hope you had a wonderful time uh, at the Coliseum. A 20-year dream. Like, you know, if you've got a bucket list thing like that, you know, props to you. Well, That's awesome. An early entrant for maybe fan of the year. Of course. I don't know that there's going to be another fan who makes that kind of mileage travel to see one game. Yeah, there's this a, there, year. So there's like that's, a USC fan really, of your Belinda. It's like ah, it's kind of far. Yeah, and then no. she comes all the way. I didn't want to come in from Reseda. Yeah, too much. Um, but I think what she said it was a blinder for Caleb Williams. Yeah, I'm going to use that. That's a good 100%. one. That I love will, that. That's, uh, that's good. Yeah, sure. I mean, it was expected that he was going to be really good. Um, you know, the fact that he like missed three passes and one was a drop and one was a ball that was caught just out of bounds and one was a throwaway is pretty impressive. Like even if you're doing routes on air. Like, it's hard to complete every ball. And yeah. he pretty much was perfect. Uh, foot, uh, pro Football Focus, I think he was, like, the highest-graded USC offensive player, like, by far. Uh, as far as blowouts, I feel like this is a team that they're not going to blow out everybody, but there's enough firepower there that it's just sometimes things are going to roll your way, and you're going to play, like, a pretty good team and put a bunch of points on them. And then yeah. you're going to get an opportunity to – That'll be demoralizing, and then Miller Moss gets to come in in the fourth quarter, kind of thing again. Um, so I think there's the, there's high potential for blowouts. Where the some of the if you just look at the sidelines, like everything was organized, like people people were doing their job, everything was going the right way. But not everything's going like you can do your job, and then oh, there was this weird punt return that happened. Like, things can happen that are kind of beyond your control. That just like the things aren't going your way. But people are doing enough things right enough people, enough good athletes are doing things right that you're going to get into some more blowout situations. So I, I expect some of those. Yeah, I think we will see USC blow out a few more teams this year. I think that's not a huge stretch. I don't think it's going to look quite like the Rice game. No, did. yeah. Like that was, that was su yeah, that was such an outlier. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think subtract three pick sixes and what do you get? It's USC 45, 45 to 14. Yeah, yeah. That's a little more plausible, a right. score, a type of blowout. But they, um, they all, the defense also took away opportunities for the offense. True. You know, like they could have scored more. Just That's yeah. that's fair. But <laughs> I mean, might have needed more effort to put up that many points. Yeah, I mean, how yes. much game time passed over the span of those three interceptions? It can't like be more than six or seven it, minutes, I think it was. Yeah, I mean, even I mean, as fast the as the back. Trojan offense moves, yeah, like, yeah. that's still pretty good. Like you're, Those are one, one possession touchdowns, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think probably it's safe to say more blowouts to come. We'll see which ones those are and which ones those aren't. But yeah, I you know. And what was the I'm last? Glad, 
she got something memorable. I'm glad Megan got that, to see something like that for for her time. Yeah. And do you remember what the last one was, Jack? Yeah. So she asked, "Was that expected of Caleb Williams, and will we see that even more?" I think it was. It was definitely expected. I think people expected to see him a little bit more. Of course, with the three pick sixes, kept him off the field. But not only did PFF have him have him as the highest rated Trojan offensive player, he had like a 93 overall grade. He's also the highest graded. Uh, passer when pressured which didn't come all that often but he was very good while under pressure he also was the highest graded passer in all of college football this is on throws at the intermediate level we mentioned he responded well to pretty much every third down throws over the middle to mario williams and kyron hudson so i I think this is this should definitely be expected of caleb williams and you may even see him with more volume once they get the offense gets the ball more because he also only threw two touchdowns which is kind of crazy considering they put up 66 points but i would say the volume will definitely come but i would expect this level of efficiency And running and throwing ability from Caleb for the majority of the season. Yeah, and let's let's make a rule. So if you're calling within six thousand miles of of Redondo Beach, then keep it the one question. But if you're calling from outside that range, you can get some bonus questions. Yeah, Yeah. you can tack it in. (laughs) So we got another caller. If you guys want to call into the show five one two four tunnel, let's go to Dave. He wants to talk about uh, the USC football game. Hi, Dave. You're on Tunnel Vision. Hi, guys. Good to be back on Tunnel Vision. RJ, welcome to the show. I'm sure you've heard of me, but again, I'm Dave from Iowa, the longtime caller. Um, so I got two questions. Sorry, Ryan, I know, but hey, <laughs> two new people. Why not? I mean, Iowa's Ryan, not exactly first redondo, off, <laughs> but it's still not 6,000 miles. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, my first question is, uh, what's your take on Kyle Ford being, I believe, who's a, uh, an oar for the second string? I, I kind of expected him to make a make a big step this year being an upperclassman and being a former five-star and then rj what's your scouting report on aaron armitage i did a little uh like uh, research in terms of the depth chart in the roster and he's from blair academy and back-to-back years blair academy have had odafe owe and david ojabo draft in the first and second round so you know could blair could another blair alum go uh go within the first two rounds and three years in a row Thanks for the question, Dave. Do you want to do that first, and I'll do the yeah. Okay. No, I, I I think that's quite a bar uh, for Aaron Armitage, um, who, by the way, was heavily recruited by USC. Yes, and and was, you know, I I don't want to go too far into off the record things, but was a very very likely USC Trojan for a stretch of his recruitment, um, and so. But anyway. Um, comes from a super athletic family. His sister is a star basketball player, young like high schooler okay. basketball player. So the the athleticism is there. The the pedigree is kind of there. Um, and they like him. They're happy with him. They're happy kind of with where he is right now. As far as like top level, where's he playing? Draft. He's a edge rusher. Edge. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So six five, listed six five two sixty. So again one inch shorter than Eric Gentry, but <laughs> 60 pounds heavier. So you know, again, but um, yeah, I, I think, I think right now the safest thing is potential all pack 12 player. We'll see what these next two to three years do for him. You know, I think when you look at USC and you get a Corey Foreman in and everyone expects him to be an outside the, out of the box NFL blow minds right. type of a player in a situation, even I would say the vast majority of guys who get drafted at those positions don't blow up the second that they show up. They need two to three years to become 
those kind of guys, you know. Yeah. So jury out a little bit, but they are happy with him, and he certainly has the tools and the and the work ethic. I will say, just one quick little thing, you know, he like a lot of kids in his class had to work through COVID. Yeah, and he did a ton of work on his own to his body, dropped his body fat down. You know, everyone talks about the COVID fifteen for us mortals and, and all that kind of stuff, but but still, even for an athlete, the fact that he took his conditioning and his strength training and all that seriously when it was just him, he didn't have a team to work out with. He didn't have coaches to train him or do anything. He kind of had a a room in his house and he went after it. So that work ethic piece that I don't think we talk enough when it comes to draft talk um, is there too. So that's the Aaron Armitage thing. And now you can. Yeah. For Kyle Ford. Um, so I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock. This is my theory, not anything I know into what USC's wide ro- wide receiver rotation was. Um, you know, we thought we'd see more Brendan Rice. He was uh, on special teams more and caught one pass at the end in the, the fourth quarter. Uh, we didn't, you know, Terrell Bynum was in sometimes, but just really wasn't used. He was in on the play. The uh, um, the Rayleigh Brown touchdown, I believe he was in on that one. Um, I feel like if you're going to get a you, look at four games and then kind of see where snap counts are, see where, because Shotgun's doing all that charting and everything. We'll put that all up on USCfootball.com. And I think we'll get a better feel. But I, th- I feel like you're going to have a game where, like, we might be talking on Sunday, like Terrell Bynum had a big game or even like a Kyle Ford or something. So uh, I don't necessarily mean, you know, the the way it played out against Rice is going to be the way it plays out every time. Is Travis Dye going to have more of a I – th- I feel like we are going to – we have to feel this out a little bit. And we might still see a bunch of Kyle Ford. We might still still see Terrell Bynum and some of those other guys. Uh, but, you know, maybe more Gary Bryant. Like there's, there's guys we thought we'd see more of and maybe we didn't. But I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock in just what happened with Rice because, like I said, Caleb Williams had 44 snaps, I believe. Uh, you know, with starting offense there, if they get 56, you know, 56, 65, whatever it is against Stanford, and it's a closer game, I think that'll give you a better feel for where these guys are, are playing. And we might see more Kyle Ford or some of those other guys, but, you know, that's just my thoughts. And a quick, just a quick thing on Kyle Ford. It's kind of interesting because in talking to him in the offseason and at uh, SC Media Day and all that kind of stuff, the weird thing is, is I got the sense that he felt more comfortable, more welcomed, and having – I felt he had a better shot to get on the field with a brand-new staff than I think he yeah. maybe felt at times last season with the incumbent staff. Yeah. You know, I, I think he had the injury, so that set him back. Um, but he showed enough last year to suggest that he was progressing and he looked pretty clearly like a rotation – receiver like yeah. a guy you should be running in and out of there and a guy you should be throwing deep down the field to so yeah i i would i would keep an eye on him it wouldn't surprise me to see him progress again as we've said so much like it's a season like there's yeah. a lot of things that are going to happen to the good and to the bad that are going to open doors and close doors and you don't know how that's going to play out but i i don't think anybody in the building is written Kyle Ford off i think and I don't think Kyle Ford has. I think that's the most important yeah. thing. There's, I think there's potential for a handful of guys that did almost nothing against Rice having huge games down the yeah, road. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think you, I mean, we also haven't even really mentioned the tight end position, which we'll get to later because there's a bunch of great questions, but the tight ends are going to have to get used at some point too. That was only one target to a USC tight end. So yeah. I think they're, you're right. They're just spreading the wealth around as much as they can right now. Also with limited offensive snaps, they didn't get the best ability to do that and get volume to a lot of guys. So I think you're right that, that Kyle Ford, pretty much everyone on that wide receiver depth chart is going to get a chance. We saw good plays from, from pretty much everyone. Everyone got at least one catch. We saw CJ Williams and Kyron Hudson. So Kyle Ford, I think you're right, are they haven't written him off but we can get to some questions i think that's all we've got for live callers the Perfect. first one comes from socal dad on youtube over under one pick six for usc against stanford mm. Ooh, that's a great we're into the prop bets i, I guess we'll have I, to say over under like half so zero or i one. love the wool if you put it at half I, i'm going to take under anyway like i don't think it's like those are hard to get usc had one in the last three years and then three in the one game so yeah. i would go the under I mean, I also don't even think it's that big of a knock if you take the pick six thing away. I think you probably expect USC to get their hands on a Tanner McKee pass just because of the volume. Yeah. You know, he's going to throw returning for a touchdown. He's going to throw 35 passes. He's going to throw 40 passes on Saturday. Every pass, every quarterback throws is just one pass closer to their next pick. <laughs> it's going to happen, right? But yeah, the, the, the pick six thing, though, that's tough, especially when you look at what Stanford throws, right? Like right. if you're throwing deep ball fades that are essentially just a jump ball and you're talking about Even if you pick it, it off, it's, yeah, like, now it's hard to return it. Yeah, you're in a standing <laughs> position and you're 75 yards from the field. Yeah. It's tough to tough to do that, but you never know. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, will, I do want to put in, well, I'll put it out to you guys, but you guys heard how uh, Kalen Bullock's nickname on the team is Sticks. Yeah. So... Can we anoint anyone that he gets as a pick sticks? Oh, I like it. I don't know. They were I calling just, him double sticks this year because he's bigger. You know? They were, but I just sticks just, Bullock is such a great name. It is like a really it's just good categorically name. a great name. Like pick I don't sticks. know, but pick I, sticks, yeah, sure. Pick right. sticks. So yeah, Trojan fans, get that get that hashtag rolling out there. Nice. Maybe we have to give that to Eric Gentry too. So like it's it's for either of them. Maybe he's the one that stole uh, the he could be a from uh, from from Kalen. So he went to sticks, and then Kalen went have to double the, sticks. I'm curious what his nickname is if he has one. So sure yeah, we we're gonna have to figure out. Maybe that's a question we asked him the next time he's available to the media. But another question coming from Facebook this time from Dan. He said he was really impressed last week and asked us what is one thing that impressed us all last week. And I'll start. I'll say that the offensive line and pass protection was really impressive to me. There's a lot of things that we could talk about individual player wise, but I thought the offense did a great job pass protecting. And I was also just impressed that there were not very many penalty mistakes outside of the Romello height targeting call that I think for USC fans was a good sign that there weren't a ton of mistakes until the backup offensive line came in and had a couple. Yeah, real quick. And we'll, I'll try to go through these quickly because we're on our way at the top of the hour. But I would say how clean it was. Like everything was organized. Players were running onto the field, knew what they were doing. They weren't like looking back. What's the play? Oh, oh call timeout. We're, you know, on a PAT. Like it just was clean. It was well run. It looked like you coached the players to do something. They had a game plan. Everybody executed the game plan, and it's, that's what it's supposed to look like. And so I think just how clean it looked was good for me. Yeah, um, and maybe maybe piggybacking off that just a little bit, but just how many different guys got their hands on the ball and made significant plays. Yeah, Kyron Hudson converted at least one third down on a big on a big catch, right? Yeah, it was a third and like eight, and that's the one Travis Die like just blew up the defensive end or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know. C.J. Williams 
jumps in the game. He's a big looking Makes kid his too, first yeah. catch. Another guy, he's the same weight as Eric Gentry. <laughs> and he's, you know, not 6'6". Six, six. Um, so, yeah, I would just say the breadth of everything. And I think Jack's point's also well taken, too. They didn't even really dig too deep into the tight end package. Yeah. All right. Well, that gets us right, pretty much right into our next question. Uh, it's, do you anticipate that USC will involve the tight end more in this game? I asked Lincoln, about, Lincoln Riley about that in the press conference earlier today. He said they didn't get as many targets to the tight ends as they wanted to, of course, with not a ton of snaps, and the wide receivers were all doing their thing. But he said that he really and he really appreciated what the tight ends did. I think he was uh, inspired by their performance, impressed by guys like Malcolm Epson and Lake McCree, who had that one red zone target. He was the only one for the tight ends. I think that, you, that you're that you going to see more involvement because it's kind of hard to get any less in the passing game than one <laughs> target. Yeah. But I think Sick it was yeah. good to hear from Lincoln Riley that he's still impressed by that room and that maybe there were other factors that limited the targets going to the tight ends. Yeah, and my feeling, like they came out in 10 personnel, right? So you have one running back, no tight ends, so four, four wide receivers. We saw a bunch of two backs like you know there austin jones came in as like a lead blocker but then he got a couple touchdown runs out of those two um i think both of them were he was a I, I don't remember exactly but yeah so i feel like this was a game where they did a lot of 10 personnel and then the next game it might be something different you know and so you might see more tight ends you might see two tight ends on the field more like i think it's just going to depend on the game plan per week this was just a week that they were like it was like a four-wide week, you know? Um, so I think it'll change just week to week. Yeah, I'd agree. And I also think a lot of it, too, they're going to take a look at the opponent personnel. I think when you look at Stanford's linebackers, um, Jacob Mangum for our pretty athletic dude, but the other two guys who start for them, Levani Damuni and Ricky Miazon, kind of shanely, stocky, downhill, big hitters, Guys that maybe you want to see, can they run up the scene? Oh, gotcha. That yeah. You maybe want to Put see. Put those guys in coverage. Yeah, or whatever, maybe yeah. maybe this is time to see what they can do with Lake McCree or, or Malcolm Epps. But yeah, Jack said it perfect. There's only one way to go. So yes, we will see more tight end right. usage. So we said what was the most impressive thing in general, but now there's another one. Which player was the best or the most impressive to you and really jumped off the screen? I'll let you guys start on this one. I don't want to steal I mean, the Caleb first Williams. answer. Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. Like he was he was flawless. Yeah, I mean, I think the stat line, I, I actually think the thing that struck me the most was not even the passing. There were at least three or four plays where, at least for those plays, Rice had everyone covered. And on a play like that, you're saying to yourself, okay, throw it away, you lose zero yards, or pick up two or three yards, pick up five yards. He was picking up 12 and 13 yards on a just broken play, you yeah. know, a play where USA didn't have anyone open. It wasn't spectacular. It didn't require a bunch of crazy spin moves. Just the ease with which he was eating up yards with his legs. You know, it's one thing if a quarterback, oh, you're frustrated we didn't get to him, and he, he plus-fived us. But it's another thing where we covered everybody, he ran, and we've moved the chains. Yeah. That's, <laughs> a, different, that's a different scenario. And that, that stuck out to me watching him live, I think, above anything else that I saw from him. And that dime he threw, it was, it was third and long again, and uh, to Travis Dye, which from the, it was for the far sideline from the broadcast, it was like, there's no way he's in bounds. Like, holy cow, he caught that. It was just like, you moved yeah. the chains. Like, he could do, like, if he needed to throw it to a window, he did it. There was a lot of times there were just guys were wide open, but. 
Yeah. yeah. I think he was also very poised. So if you're going off the jumped off the screen part of the question, I think you get one answer on each side of the ball. Relique Brown just looked like a different player out there on the football field. And then Shane Lee was just popping heads and he leads into the next question. So would you rather be a quarterback passing passing against Eric Gentry or a running back against Shane Lee? Mm. Oh. Would I rather? I think I'd probably do the running back thing. Like you get tackled by linebackers all the time, but like you don't see a lot of six six linebackers like try to throw against those guys. So yeah. Yeah, I think that's a. I don't know. It just. It just. It just comes down to like, what do you want? Like I. I I don't want to get popped by Shane Lee. I think true. It's probably going to put a damper on my day (laughs) way more than Eric Gentry just intercepting a ball that was intended for me. So from that point of view. I think the bias is clear, but it's it's not a fun option. Whoever that question is, yeah. it's I want I want option C. Yeah. Here's the thing though, if if you pass and, and Gentry picks you off and then Shane Lee is the lead blocker and he's gonna put you on your butt or you have to stay in between Gentry or touchdown, then maybe you have to make a business decision. Oh, you found an even worse outcome. Okay. There you go. There's yeah. there's your yeah. option the, C. Yeah, there's option C. The starting right quarterback, like Really, does he break his arm or something? Like with the with trying to tackle Kalen Bullock on the interception return, that first one. Yeah, yeah. He got injured pretty. You know, he was out for the game after that. One. Sticks. Sticks put some. Put Sticks a, put his shoulder down. It did look weird. I in the broadcast, it didn't. It just looked like it was sort of like a low attempt at a tackle. He might have just got hit with the knee or so. I don't know. I don't it's know what happened. Like NASCAR crashes, what they always say: the ones that look horrific, the dude ends up just yeah. He's like gets walks out, of the out car and like, walks out, and yeah. then the ones you don't think are a big deal are kind of serious. Yeah. Football can be like that. Like wasn't Dale like Daryl Earnhardt died like and it looked didn't look that bad. Nobody right? yeah. yeah, nobody yeah. thought, but let's immediately cut the NASCAR talk off. Sorry, yeah. yeah I don't that's, know much about NASCAR, but I do remember pivot. that. Well yeah. you've heard all that I know, so yeah. <laughs> unless you want Days of Thunder references, I got I got those for Ricky Bobby. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Unfortunately, well, I don't have like the NASCAR references to keep up with your Simpsons references that you, that I obviously <laughs> don't know. But I think that's all we've got for questions. Do either of you have any last thoughts about this Stanford game before we maybe you know pack it up as we we do have to do our now? picks. All right. Um, we so we are we're doing our picks. Uh, I think RJ, did you take USC? I or, did. Okay, so. The veterans here. I think the veteran, mostly the veterans, took USC given thirty-two. And if you know me, like I do not, I would take whoever USC was playing before. I'm just like they're not going to cover the spread. Uh, took the thirty-two in this one. Obviously, an easy cover. Some of our younger, you know, members of the staff, like Jack here, or you know, like ah, that's too many points. Give me thirty-two points. And, and we're looking good at halftime. I'll tell you that much. And then two straight pick sixes and a pick. And I was like, well. There goes the not at, it wasn't looking good at halftime. It was looking well, good after one quarter. Here, it was tied at seven. That was good. Here, here's all I'll say about that situation. It's it's not so much that the youngsters misread the game. It's like I feel like they didn't even watch us on tunnel vision when <laughs> you, me, and Shotgun pretty adamantly said no. There's, yeah. there's no path. Like, and again, in a normal world, in 99 out of 100 scenarios, 32 gives you pause. It right. almost doesn't matter, but – yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. Rice only like like I said when I when I made the pick, Rice only lost by that amount two times last year. Yeah, and I mean, I just don't think that they threw that many picks and that many pick sixes in any game. So that didn't help. It was the pick sixes that did it in, but I think SC they looked determined to to beat them by more than thirty two anyway. Yeah, but this one this line's weird because it was around eleven USC favored by eleven on the road, and um, you know now it's down to like eight or eight and a half, depending on where you were. We're gonna do our picks for the eight point spread, but yeah, I. I just feel like USC is going to win this one comfortably. Uh, that maybe it's sort of close in the beginning. I think Stanford's going to score some points, but like 
to see USC score less than 40 is going to be a surprise. And that, you know, that's Stanford limiting possessions and stuff too. I just feel like they're going to, you know, it's going to be like a 42, 24 kind of game, something like that. But uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I think it's going to be a little tighter, a little longer, but I think, I think they're, I mean, are we giving away our, I guess we're giving away the article. (laughs) What are we doing here? Are we just assuming, you know, I mean, Megan, has tuned in. I think the least we do is owe her a little, yeah, a little info. But yeah, I, I I pick USC to cover. I don't necessarily know that I pick them to easily cover or put what they did on Rice or anything like that. But eight, you know, I can see it being a three point game with six minutes to go, and USC scoring a touchdown that does the job, right? In terms of the cover, yeah, right? that that seems plausible to me. I, and I just think there's a. A, a probability that this was a Stanford team that was really bad last year, and there's some of that's going to carry over. You know, I think they're going to be better than I think I predicted. I think of like one at eleven or something. Well, <laughs> I was like, they're going to be bad. Well, they're not going to do that. But if you look at their schedule, and they can beat some good teams. To be like honest that. with you, their schedule is crazy. The schedule is brutal. So they have for quickly just for people who don't know, they have a massive pendulum every other year where the bulk of the tough games are at home. And then in the other years, which is the year we're in, the even years, they're all on the road. So Pac-12 Northwise, they are at Washington. They are at Oregon. Um, They are also at Notre Dame. They are also, this year, at Utah. Yeah. So, like, it's... (laughs) <laughs> it's rough. Yeah. Right. And then you're not, that's before you even talk about Washington state who's beaten them five years in a row. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, I think one in 11, a little harsh, but no, that's, that's harsh. But they have a tough schedule. One of the toughest in the country. So if they go, we'll if see. they go to a bowl this year, that's a huge accomplishment. I would think, you know, it's a big improvement yeah. over last year, but yeah, I think that's fair to say. I don't know. We'll see. This is my opinion. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, I'm, I'm taking USC to cover as well. I mean, eight points, just, that seems very, very low. I think 11, like I still would have taken SC over the 11 points. Um, I think it'll be a, like a, a, a quick first half. Like I think a lot of time is going to go off the clock. Stanford's going to run the run the clock down, running the ball. Their scripted plays might be successful, which is like the only success Rice had on offense were the 15-plus plays that they scripted, having known Alex Grinch a little bit before. I think after that, they're – it's going to take a lot for them to score against SC. They might need to put together some long drives, and then SC's going to get the ball back and score sometimes in four plays, five plays that in the fourth quarter, I just don't think they'll be able to outlast. I think you're right. It'll be maybe a, you know, a two-touchdown or two-touchdown and a field goal type win for SC. That just eight seems really, really low. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, real quick, Gary on the, the chat had uh, want to know about Dijon Benton if he was injured. And so we reported on Tuesday he came out of the tunnel with a cast on, so he did get hurt in the game. We're not exactly sure when. Um, the defensive lineman for USC. So don't think he's going to be out. Like, you know, I mean, I, I don't think he's going to be back for this one for sure. But Lincoln Riley was asked about it. He's been kind of coy. So we're not allowed to report on injuries going forward. So if we saw him come out and practice on Wednesday and he was fine and the cast was gone, we wouldn't be able to say that. Um, not anticipating that to be the case, uh, but that you know that's a blow to the USC's defensive line. I mean, he was uh, he he got a lot of snaps in that game, um, so you know depth is a concern there. We'll see. You might see a little more Solomon Tuilapupu who did did well in this one, uh, but yeah, don't I, I would not expect to see Dijon Benton. But we don't get we're not going to get any official at least we we can't any official injury ob- observations if Lincoln Riley offer something up and says, hey, he had season-ending surgery, then we could report that. But it's only going to be information that they give us. Uh, we're not allowed to, if we saw something, 
If we saw him like amputated his leg, like we weren't allowed to report somewhere like that. Well, but just in a real <laughs> quick thing though, Lincoln, for those who didn't catch it, Lincoln Riley did say he wasn't ruling anybody out yeah. as of today. And so within that umbrella is Ray Leak Brown, who I know people are really curious about. Yes. So we can't give anything beyond that, but he hasn't been ruled out and we are what, forty eight hours, less than forty eight hours from from kickoff. So there's a chance that we see him. Way more optimistic that we're going to see him than than Dejan, unfortunately. And Vontae, I wanted to know: Does Osiris St. Brown still play for Stanford? Like, now he's been gone for he's, how many years? Yeah, he's uh, two, like two or three? three. Yeah, yeah, he might have been pre. I think he was pre-COVID, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, correct. I, he put that in the chat a couple of times, but yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up our show. Uh, fun pregame. We're, I like this new format where you know, like we can switch up our lineups. Move things around Sunday because Jack won't be back in time. I will be in Jack's seat and we'll have Chris and Shotgun here. We might do a little, we're going to be driving back from Stanford together. So we might do a little car cast, you know, oh, like wow. still a little Rainer Troy thing, like literally in the car driving back, doing this kind of thing. But we'll be back Sunday night, uh, 7 p.m., same time, uh, recapping what happened on the farm between uh, USC and Stanford. So make sure you tune in for that one. And uh, yeah, so that's Jack, that's RJ, and I'm Ryan. Thank you guys so much uh, for tuning in to Tunnel Vision. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.